1: Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Jeremy DuBall. and I'm rough Enough, and we are back, Jeremy, you and me. Welcome. We got another big episode planned. We are going to talk a little Adept Con, and then we're going to talk to Rick Hoy about the upcoming Bayou Battle scheduled for March of this year. Are they still doing the like the soccer, the World Cup flavor? Rick goes into great detail about the format, which is uh, like a group stage format from the World Cup. So four players get put into a group, and then two two move on to the Masters bracket, and then there's a Padawan bracket for the two for the two lower seeds in each grouping. Sounds like a lot of fun, and you get like a special soccer player, which has got some really. There's a bunch of them, and they sound really cool. And so, yeah, it sounds like a fun tournament. Yeah, stay tuned for that. It's been a while. Uh, what have you been up to, man? I know you've been. We got Adepticon right around the corner yeah
2: so signed up for adepticon i signed up for no hobby events i'm signed up for the the domination nation team tournament with with you right we're going to be doing the counter charge team team counter charge baby yeah so i'm excited to do some com, play some completely balanced ogres uh you mean siege breakers siege breakers. yeah just bring all the siege breakers they're all in my case so excited for that and then signed up for the firefight tournament uh, I'm bringing four Fodger. forge. It's like that awesome powers movie with Goldberg. Fodger. I'm bringing the forge Fodgers. the for, forge fathers. So I'm putting those together. I'm gonna do quick paint, but I'm gonna do quick. I'm gonna do contrast, a different style. I'm stealing from Britton Williams. That if you're gonna steal how to paint something, he's a good person to steal from. He used contrast, but without priming it, the off white. He primes it black, and then does Zenithel on the black, and then uses contrast so it already provides a more grimy Mm -hmm. dark looking feel so i think for sci-fi that's going to work pretty well so i'm signed up for firefight i'm signed up for hot off the press completely sold out in within the first day clash of kings
1: unbelievable yeah i hope they get more spots do we have any updates around that let's maybe give them a rundown uh we've been talking about it all week and we've been telling everybody hey if the event's sold out get on the wait list because if the wait list is full they will give mantic more spots okay so everyone get on the wait list in terms of the events just like you um, we're obviously signed up for the team event there is nine spots for teams left they started with 20 teams so 11 have signed up and that's not unusual that that's a slower filling event because that's on thursday you know some people don't get into the uh, adepticon until thursday right so that that doesn't surprise me but hey guys this is for me my favorite event. Twenty two players, man. That's eleven teams is good. Well, let's get twenty though. What? what yeah. You know, we're not settling for eleven, Jeremy. We're we're going. We're we're turning it up to eleven. To eleven. That's so apropos. Go in there and get signed up. If you don't have a partner or or you don't have an army, whatever, whatever excuse. DM me. Post it on our Facebook page. We'll find someone to play you. Yeah. Know. We will figure it out. So that's Thursday, and then on Friday. I know you're doing the firefight, but I'm actually playing Armada, and Armada is full—twenty six players. I've heard from the
2: Omaha boys that they're ready to come in. They're going to and... cut us down. Yeah, I've yes, heard. that's what I've heard. I've heard that they're very—they've been—they're—they've been, they're, they're been pre- prepared, and there may be an orc fleet out there piloted by uh, a Mr. Someone who's going to be coming in and
1: taking names. Hopefully again they'll give us more spots cuz 26 players is awesome, but it would be nice to have 50. I'm excited to play. I to be honest with you, I don't play Armada very much. I enjoy the game, but it's more of a casual thing for me. Um I have a Kingdoms of Men fleet that's fully painted. You know me, I'm all about the hobby, so like I went and bought all the warlord game ships for the Kingdoms of Men fleet, bought the cards, but then I also bought like they have a sea monster pack and a terrain pack. I have some some very cool looking tables. Yeah, I'm really
2: excited for the Armada tournament just to walk walk around and watch because I know that's during the day and then Firefight is in the evening. So I just plan on hanging out in the Mantic Room. You mean recording podcasts is what yeah, you mean. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have the full setup. So then while the Armada tournament's going on, I'll be trying to grab people and recording. And
1: yeah, so I'm super excited. As you said, you know, Armada is from 8 to 2 and then Firefight is from 3 to 9 and they have 20 tickets starting and they only have... They have 15 already purchased. So only five spots left.
2: Nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people are excited for Firefight. And it's sort of, it's like you, I was just listening to your guys episode in the gym. It's sort of the debut Adepticon for Firefighter 2nd Edition, which which really is, and we've talked about this, right, Rob? Firefight: 2nd Edition really is a new game.
1: You know, it's a 2nd 1st Edition. So it's really the, the debut. Exactly right, a 2nd 1st Edition, because I have read some of the chatter, hey, this needs to be fixed. Don't worry, it will be. But like any first game, just put your hat on. Remember, first edition Kings of War. It was not great. And
2: on that bell curve, on that bell curve or that spectrum, there's probably things that are maybe on both sides, you know, like the bomber is probably too good. For the Enforcers? Yeah, the Enforcer bomber, the missile launcher might be slightly too good, or, you know, the other options, the Forgefather's Mjolnir missile launcher. But I'm curious to see uh, the the what comes out of that event, though. Uh, who, What lists, and uh, we're... Super excited to be uh, going to that event.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like we're doing six by four tables with thousand points.
2: I think it's the way to go. I like six by four tables. I just doesn't feel right to me playing on a smaller table.
1: So if you're interested, get in there. There's 15 players already signed up. Only five tickets remaining. Yes, they probably could get more spots. But we're not even going to talk about more spots until we hit the 20 that we are we were already given. Yeah. So may or may not have heard. It turns out Tyler gave me a 1,500-point list. So I have 1,500 points of models all built and getting ready to be painted. I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm waiting very patiently for Tyler to give you my 1,000-point list. I wait patiently for Tyler all the time. He's always
2: like, he's always like, Jeremy, we got to record more firefight episodes. So I'm like, when's your availability? And he's like, on the third Thursday of June at, <laughs> Three o'clock in the in the night,
1: I'm free for fifteen minutes. Well, when I like... recorded with him recently, <laughs> I just was like, "All right, we're recording at like seven thirty your time or something crazy," and we did it.
2: Yeah, I think he's a busy a busy fellow, but yeah, we're getting ready to record for the Forged Father Army review. We got a ton of great questions from the community.
1: You're recording today, Forged Father Army review. Can't wait.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. so excited there. Uh, I've, I've been getting my uh, at first. I thought I was gonna be moving out of my condo, but now I am staying and she who may not be named is moving. And one of my friend who went through a divorce made a really good recommendation to me. He changed his wife's contact and his phone in his phone to Voldemort. <laughs> and did a different picture because the idea is this person is no longer your person, right? So you need to try to begin to think of them as someone else. So she is now Marathi in my phone <laughs> and, and has an old black and white photo from like one of the old original Dark Elf Army books. So now if I get a text from her, I get a text from Marathi. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm staying. I, I've been unpacking my hobby table I've been changing the art around. I have on my kitchen table my Optimus Prime Lego I got for Christmas that I've been putting together, and no one can bitch at me about Legos being on the table. I'm trying to enjoy, uh, find what what free, what joy I can in being uh, solo right now.
1: Well, talking about toys, I got a big shipment of G.I. Joe today. In, of, yes. wh- of which ones? So I got Rakondo and Bazooka. They are the Tiger Force versions, so they have okay. different uniforms. And yes. then I got a Python Patrol Cobra Officer. And then the piece of resistance of today's shipment was a Tiger Force Duke with Tiger Force Ram Cycle. Now, is this the new Tiger Force or is this the uh, vintage Tiger Force? These are updated like six inch figures, right? Okay, but of that, of that Tiger Force. They are inspired okay. by the Tiger Force from the 90s, right? Let's not to be outdone with Adepticon, the Kings of War, Clash 2023. We are sold out. And so we are just patiently waiting for people to sign up. Get on the wait list. Get on the wait list. And I keep telling people, look, look, I I get, like, well, I have to... Because you do have to register and pay for the ticket, right? Which is for regular Adepticon ticket, which is $50. I get that. that, That's like, well, what if I don't end up going? You have until March 3rd to cancel. So just sign up, get on the wait list, pay the $50. If, for some crazy reason, you don't get into Clash, which at this point, I, I think is crazy. I think we'll... Everybody on the wait list will, will get in, right? That's that's I'm pretty much pretty confident about that. And if for some reason something happens that you can't come, then you can cancel. You have up until March third. You have, yeah.
2: I mean, even if you think you want to go, get on there.
1: Yeah. Well, you're doing you're doing the community service because you know one of the things I understand about Adepticon is they have many many events, so many events that they've pushed some events to a second hotel,
2: right? Middle Earth. Which, that was one thing Britton and I were shocked about, like, the Middle Earth Teams tournament sold out. It's like everything at Adepticon. I think there's a huge appetite this year, right? People are really excited yeah. to get back to Adepticon a little. You know, last year, maybe people were still afraid about COVID or whatever. So I think, really, this is this Adepticon is going to be,
1: like, a badass year to go. Well, and you bring up a good point. There's a lot of other events outside of Mantic Games that have sold out. Everybody's fighting for space. So we need to get those wait lists full so that we can go, hey, we really need these spots. We need this space. Yeah. So, and, and you know, for those who don't know, manti has got a great setup at Adepticon. Uh, we're on the second floor in the Utopia Ballroom. Yeah, really nice space. We're on one end. It's super great, right? It's super great. Like you could just, like my plan, you can just hang out the, besides checking out the other stuff. You have a place to put all your crap. Like you want to yeah. put your army case? Great. You, you're yeah. You're covered. And we will be getting Pat on uh, to talk about Mantic Night. Uh, We'll have the details here shortly. Yeah, because you can't. The ticket for that is not available yet. The ticket will be on the Mantic Games website, but it's not there yet. And don't worry. Facebook. Watch Facebook. I will post the moment I hear that those tickets are available. I will be there. And I guess you know right now all I know is it's going to be Saturday night. Don't know any other details uh, besides Ronnie will be there.
2: And you should Mantic Night is hilarious and super fun. If you're going to be there, you got to do Mantic Night.
1: And we would be remiss if we didn't mention, even though Dead Zone National Championship is the same is, is hits the same Saturday that Adeptic Clash does. There's only three tickets left for Dead Zone National Championship, so we have 17 players signed up for Dead Zone. If you're into the sci-fi variety for Mantic Games, get on there, sell that event out, man. You know uh, Brian puts on a great show definitely hundred percent are you taking any hobby uh
2: courses There's a couple that i was wanting to maybe do and i had seriously i had a little bit of trouble in the first five minutes five or ten minutes and it was
1: disastrous that first like 50 to an hour it was oh uh, that first hour of adept kind of registration t- took me back to the old days it just crashed and crashed yeah so taking uh art of airbrushing getting started an intro to airbrushing with uh ck studios they're famous right they're, they do all the 40k stuff so i'm super excited to you know have caleb and company show me the intro so i can hopefully buy an airbrush and start using it for base coating at least i was thinking about i would love to do an army where i just airbrush the whole thing and i have night they are all built they would be a perfect army to just learn how to airbrush with sure let's jump into some hobby just to to rift off
2: what you were saying um Yeah, I was going to try to get into an intro to airbrush class as well, but was all sold out by the time I got there. So no hobby for me, but I mean, I'm playing in three tournaments. That's fine. So when I was in Texas over the holidays, I started putting together the Forge Fathers for my uh, army right now I'm doing a full since I had completely packed it I'm doing a full redo of my hobby table so I'm actually cleaning it off cleaning all the paint pots were pretty dusty like just doing a big cleanup and this weekend I'm really going to just be getting uh more of my firefight stuff assembled and then depending on the weather I'm going to try to because in California you know we've had a huge rainstorm the last couple weeks uh, I'm going to try to get the first couple of dudes just to practice uh, that that style of painting that I'm going to use for them but Brinton is painting additions to his undead army to flex it as EOD for Riddle of Steel so I'm going to use that at Riddle of Steel and then in February I'm using your, or sorry at Adepticon I'm using your Ogres so really I'm putting the EOD on the back burner not just so that I, since I have other options and then I'm going to be just all Forge Fathers before to get that ready for Adepticon.
1: Well, I've been painting. Feverishly is not even the right word, dude. Like I, I know. You've been posting so much to the host chat. Just been sitting at my desk. So I've been cranking it out. So I've got two hordes of Tyrants finished. So I've got 10 models there. I still have two extra models to use, and I've got an idea for that. Uh, and then I've got two hordes of Rhinosaur calf completely done. And then t- two two extra ones that I'm going to use as battle captains on rhinosaurs, and I'm really happy with the way they turned out. I actually, for one of them of the of the battle captains, I took the battle captain model, and I kit bashed I, I cut the resin in half and basically mounted them and, and and blended in the legs with some epoxy skull. He's literally is the battle captain from the one of the starter boxes, wasting up with the weapons and the helmet and everything. Cool. And then on another one, I just all I did was I took because there's two different battle captain heads. I just took a different battle captain head and just threw it on the regular uh, rhino cab rider. It's cool. I'm super excited. I I will say those models are amazing, but they took a really long time to paint. I think I told you I had a misstep. I'm like, I'm going to paint them auburn. Yeah. That color did not work for the the, uh, rhinos. And so then I pivoted and I painted all the tyrants in that auburn color. So I finished those and then I moved on to the rhino cab and the rhinos ended up being green. And so I one tip, there's a couple tips I would give people. Number one, take the time if you're thinking about color choices, use the color wheel, paint little swatches of the actual colors oh. and put it up next to the wheel. And find, you know, if you're doing complementary or split complementary, find what works. You know what was really weird is I had I, I had the teal and the auburn. I have done that in many. I mean, my kingdoms of halfman have those colors, right? Uh, the auburn and teal work. Yeah. What do, what do i need well i settled on a green i was like well i need a green i need a blue green and honestly i didn't end up with a blue green i ended up with more like a desaturated green it's called naga green it's a trilogy it's like naga green cat's eye green and dungeon slime it's from reaper i did the swatch and i'm like huh this looks like it's gonna work and then i painted one rhinosaur in that color and boop perfect so what oh, yeah. i've done is the the big lizards that are sentient the, the big tyrants. They're an auburn color. The either going to be the uh, the G- Gekatoa or the Salamanders, they're teal. Okay. And then anything in the army that is like Beast of Burden, a.k.a. the Rhinos, and Ember Sprites, which are Croc Dogs, those are going to be the green. Okay. So that's what I'm working to, right? And so I've got two hordes of tyrants done, two hordes of Rhinos done. I've got two battle captains on rhinosaurs done. And I am in the process of, and I'll tell you about a misstep. i another misstep I had, but I, but I am in the process of painting ember sprites and I've got 16 Croc dogs. Cause that's what I had in my, uh, my store downstairs, your store. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, All right. I'm like, how many do I have? Oh, 16. <laughs> yeah. That's enough to do. A Let couple me go of check units. our backstock at, 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 at Rob Emporium. So I'm in the process of doing ember sprites. The only thing I did to, to kind of, I don't want to say conversion, but I did take some of the extra bits for they had like flame features and there's a couple of them that are spewing fire not like a big flame thing it's just like a little flame thing that's all and I I should say I did take a Hot water, and I did reposition some of their tails. I shortened some of their tails because I mean, it's one model. The croc dog is the exact same model 16 times.
2: Yeah, so you want to change it up a little, you know, make it
1: unique. So that, that's come along. I've actually already got five painted. You were just like on the chain, man. Like on the chain. They're man. tiny, right? I've got five painted, and then I have five more on the go, and then it leaves me with six more. So let me tell you what happened, though. Before I was doing the Ember Spice, I'm like, ooh, it's time to paint Scorch Wings. So I have, I've got them all. They're ready to go. So I've got Scorch Wings. Uh, all put together, potted up, primed, and I'm in the process of doing, I've actually got the, the Phoenix is being built as well. I'm going to paint the scorch wings. And I think I've told, I think I told several people. I don't know if, if the people listening heard this or not, but I don't want to do fire. Wanted to do like an ethereal look. And and I looked all over the internet and I find stuff and and I found stuff and I'm like, you know what? I just going to have to go. I, I, what I said with myself was, you know what, Rob, you just need to go back and do what you know you can do. My original plan was I'm going to paint them up like fire, but I'm going to use the teal tricolor set from Reaper. So it's like a dark ocean color, a teal color, yeah. and then a bright, and an aqua color, right? And yeah. I did one model and I tried to find ways to like cut corners and it looked mm-hmm. like, I'm using that color triad. If it's the same ocean
2: colors, it is like teal greens. I'm using that as the flames in my EOD army. And for those colors to work, right. You really got to just, you got to blend and blend and blend and blend. And you can't, there's no shortcuts with that color. Well,
1: I tried shortcuts, right? Like I tried dry <laughs> yeah. brushing the first color on. And I, I said to myself, we're, we're going to put them to the side. We're going to do these amber sprites. And then when we come back to them, you're going to paint them legitimately. You're going to start with white and you're going to go from white to to a dark almost black teal color and you're gonna do it old school each flame like just like i painted my griffin right he's got like 600 feathers on a wing right like i painted every single feather and painted out you know all the highlights yeah i don't know about you but like i'm i'm oct to the point where when i do something and it doesn't come out right if i knew i didn't follow the process i should have followed like if i if i feel i cheated Like it just gnaws at me. So I, you know, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to, I'm going to repaint some of these models. Like the other thing is I only had gray primer. (laughs) I started with gray and then I had to like do like five coats of white to get them white. And like, ah, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go buy a can of white (laughs) primer and we're going to start with white. We're not going to dick around, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and, and we're going to do it the right way. We're going to take it like part of the model at a time, just like you should And just work my way through it. So fingers crossed that that happens. Then obviously I got the Phoenix. But you know what? The the, the crazy part is I'm making such good progress. So I don't have any. No, I don't have any bases done yet. That's a whole other thing that I'm learning is. I think I mentioned it on a podcast. What I'm trying to do is with the display board in mind, I bought these buildings and I am learning how to cut out a piece of the building, like a vertical surface, you know, and I'm going to, Take that out. I'm going to print it. I'm going to mount it to the base, and then the hope is that I'll have a, I'll have the, the full building minus that piece that's missing printed on the the display board, and he'll just slide in if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm learning Blender, and then another slicing program called Lychee. So M- Mike Mike Horner, the uh, store so owner, he's been very helpful, and so I've been watching lots of videos. And the craziest part is my daughter comes up. First of all, my daughter is all about 3D modeling right now. She's got a 3D printer at school. She's in eighth grade. And she is all about modeling to the point where I said, hey, I need you to design me some shields. So I handed her these these half men and she made me these round shields and uh, Mike printed some and they're awesome. (laughs) Oh, cool. And she's now in the process of designing her own dragon. But anyways, on Tinkercad, she was using Tinkercad. But then I showed her Blender and she's like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Because Blender has like this actual sculpting tool. Yeah. And so she is all in it. So we're learning that software. So that's the Salamanders. I have to paint the Forge Flowers at some point, but then I also have to get ready for King of Monsters at the end of this month. And so for that event, I need a Ballista and I need a King Kong model. So I already had a Yeti from Atlantis Miniatures, already assembled, already on a 75 millimeter base, ready to go for the King of Man. He's going to be a giant long-term, right? So I've got, to, I've got to paint him next weekend. And I had Mike print me three ballistas that we found and we downsized them to make them fit the 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 halfman so i've got to paint a ballista and i've got to paint the yeti the yeti makes me a little nervous can i get it done in 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 a weekend because he's huge yeah and he's another one it's all fur and yes you could dry brush but it's whites and teals like you know so i i think what i'm gonna do is i i was originally thinking well here's what i'm thinking i'm thinking like his muzzle his the skin that doesn't have fur I'm thinking of going with a teal color. Okay. And then, and then the fur actually be white or like an off white. Anywho, I, I have a lot, I have a lot to do, man. Yeah, man. And yesterday I was like thinking, I was like, oh, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm like, am I going to be able to finish all this stuff? I'm legitimately starting to think, uh, oh, this is making me a little nervous. Um, now, like you, with the firefight stuff, my plan is to use contrast paint. I'll probably do something simple in that I'll zenithal highlight it with I mm-hmm. rattle cans. I'll probably just yeah. do a gray with a white on top, and then I'll just slap, plan to use like the black contrast paint. You know, some of the contrast colors I've tried suck, but others work really well. Yeah, some are good and some are bad. And
2: some are a color that aren't at all what they the, the name would think you think it was. So a lot of that is you just got to kind of identify, right, which are the colors you like.
1: And it depends on the undercoat, right? Like, if it's white or if it's gray, we'll change the color, right? So, hundred percent. The good thing is, that, like I said, I've got. Oh, I didn't mention too. I also have two Lechiladons done.
2: Oh my god! Here I am. I've assembled like two dudes, and you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna finish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have them based yet, but they're all painted and and clear coated. And so I got two hordes of tyrants, two hordes of rhinocav, two lechiladons. I'm doing the army of two, uh-huh. two battle captains on rhinosaur, and I'm gonna do. Two hordes of Scorch Wings, and I'm gonna do a Phoenix. I mean, that's a lot of points right there. I have a plan to do a horde of Ceremonial Guard. So I looked at the box. I have 25 of the resin upgrade bits for the Ceremonial Guard. I bought another two sets or three sets. I have 35 once I get the res- once the shipment comes in from Mantic. I have 35-ish uh. Ceremonial guard bits got them all cleaned and everything. I just don't know if I am going to have enough time to paint that horde. That's 40 models, dude. It took me like 10 days. Well, not 10 days, it probably took me like seven days to paint 12 riders, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm cutting corners. Like I think I mentioned, I'm not trying to win a golden demon with this. I want it to be good, I want it to be high tabletop, but I am cutting corners. One of the corners is like. The metallics are real metallic, and then just a wash, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with, like, the armor's like an, an old bronze color, and then, like, bolts and stuff are picked out with with uh, tarnished steel. Wherever I can find ways to cut corners, I am. Tyrants, I dry brush the skid most of it. The kilodons, the rhino calf, this, the, the actual rhinos, all dry brush. And let me just say another thing that a little pissed me off. I was using the army painter dry brushes. The, the round ones are, like, makeup style. They're yes. total garbage, dude. If I'm dry brushing and your brush is falling apart and I'm having to pick bristles off the paint job, I'm done. Oh, that's that's funny because I use those too, and I like them a
2: lot. The Like the Master Series. Maybe maybe I'm too rough on them or something. I don't know. The, the ones that have like the black handles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, those have been great for me, but I don't know. Maybe. Well, maybe I got a bad, bad batch because I'm just like, bad ah. Bad.
1: So I, I went and bought some makeup go. brushes. I, I was like, awesome. What are you using? He's like, I bought these $2 brushes from Target. I'm like, yeah. sold. That's what I'm doing.
2: Okay. So we'll take a quick break. And when we get back, we will continue our hobby talk. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Drew from King's Retreat. You're listening to Countercharge, And we are back. How do you hold or what do you attach or, or what do you do with your models while you're painting them? So I do have
1: these wooden, I think that's called Rathcore is the name of the company. You can get them through PK Pro's website, but basically, it's a wooden ring that has a a, a disc of cork that goes in. and And, and they, what's really nice about those is they have a bar, a metal bar for stabilizing. So as you're you're holding it, you can like brace yourself. Those work really great if you're, you're doing like old school models. Some of the uh, corks actually are split in half, and that you open them and close them. And then when you wedge them into the the the, the ring of wood, it kind of locks them in place. But with this Army, because I'm painting a lot of things in like pieces, I have found and I went back to the old staple of, hey, I'm going to do I'm going to put little pieces of brass rod like in a spot that's not going to be exposed once the model's based. So like on the bottom of the crock dog, it's like underneath in between the tail and the body where you can't see it. You're never going to see this little spot or the rhino cab on the underside of the rhinos. And so I've drilled a hole and I glued a brass rod in and. What I've used in the past was you can just get a uh, a hobby drill, right, and just boop, screw it tight. And now you've got a handle; it's like a stick. And I was like, "That's awesome!" But I only have like three or four drills. Didn't want to buy a bunch of hobby drills. So there's a thing called a pin vise, which is a tool typically a machinist would use to hold uh, something that they're that they're working on by hand. And so I went on Amazon, and sure enough. They've got a bunch of them and they were cheap. They were like, I bought a bunch that would hold, because I use like one 30-second brass wire, one sixteenth, or one eighth. Depends on what what I barely ever use the one-eighth, right? Let, I'll be honest with you. That's that's huge. But the smaller models are going to use one thirty-second brass, and then like the bigger chunkier boys of the Tyrants use uh one sixteenth. So I bought these and um you can't see it, obviously we're on a podcast, but they're awesome. They're like little sticks you know, with a little chuck at the end. And it perfectly holds the, the brass wire. That's awesome. They were like four bucks. And then the bigger ones to hold the one sixteenth brass wire were like seven bucks. And what's killer about them is the end is is actually pretty small. The same rack that you hold my paints in, it can just drop it in there like that. And it holds them like that. Nice. I, I, I want to be as efficient as possible. I have to find the balance between how many models to paint. So I'm not going to paint 10 models at a time. It's too many. But one or two models... Might not be enough. And I've been finding three to four models is the way to go. You know, you apply one color paint, you put it down, you pick up another one, you put... Th- and by the time you get through, the, say, the third one, you, you're ready to go on to the next color on that first one again. Pin vices. Look them up. They're, they're great. And they have all kinds. They've got much more expensive ones that are fancy. They have big plastic handles, ones that would stand up on their own. The other thing that I'm real big on, this is going to sound weird, but when I apply washes, I like to suspend the model upside down for some time, let it flow in the opposite direction. Yeah. Flip the model back over, take out all the pooling on the top surface of the model, and then leave them in the upright position. I, it's it's one of those OCD things that, that's got me, but that's a lot of hobby talk.
2: Yeah. So I go old school. I go infantry on wine corks that I just buy at like Michael's. And then my bigger models, I use sticky tack on top of
1: uh, pill bottles or something. Pill bottles filled with, with rocks. We talked about widgets in the past. Yeah, if there's a way for me to waste money on something, <laughs> you're like sign me up. Yeah, I mean, I, I like literally have bought a ton of these pin vices now in multiple sizes.
2: I think I may have to go your pin vise way because I am like you too, where it's like,
1: Ooh, well, I like, the cool thing, thing is sounds... it's so small on your fingers, you can yeah. just roll the model in your hand. Oh, like I love the Wrathcore core cork that's mounted in the wood. I love it. Yeah. But what sucks about it is it's really hard to get to the underside of the model. This one, because I've, I've put the, put the brass wire in the bottom, but I didn't put it real close. Like it's probably a good three quarters of an inch from the bottom of the model. So it sticks up way above the pin vise, and I can turn the pin vise over and I have full access to the bottom of the model. Cool. And it just makes it a lot easier to paint. That's the big thing. Like I have no problem with brush control. If I can get to the brush, if I can get the brush (laughs) in the right spot. Yeah. These are like. My new favorite thing in the hobby is our small pin vices to nice. hold various size brass rods. You want to try it? Just grab your hobby drill, right? Like it's literally the same thing. The hobby drill is more fancy, costs a little yeah. bit more money, but the one thing I mentioned: if you are going to go the pin vice route, make sure you read the dimensions that it that it that it holds. Because I bought a bunch that were way too big, yeah, because I didn't read it right, and I'm like, oh, okay, actually, that's not that's I'm never going to use those, but I have four of them now. Excited, like you said, get onto
2: uh, wait lists for Adepticon if you're interested in going stay tuned for the firefight forge fathers army review or faction review shall we say uh we're going to be recording that and that's going to be coming out soon and just thanks again for uh the continued support everyone is sending my way it's really appreciated i love all you guys so just again another thank you to everyone who's continuing to uh be a, a support system for me. I really appreciate it. Well, awesome. We're going to go over to a segment with Rick Hoy, the T.O. of Bayou Battles. And after that conversation, we'll be back and we'll wrap up the show. Welcome to Counter
1: Charge. I am Rick Hoy. And I'm rough enough. And you heard if you've heard that voice before, it's our illustrious leader of Bayou Battles, Mr. Rick Hoy. Rick, you live in the Houston area. Is that right?
3: Yes, I do. So I'm on the southwest side of Houston. Been down there pretty much my entire gaming career surprisingly about 20 years now so
1: you know I know we've had John in the past and so we've talked Bayou Battles and I always ask you this but I think there may be some new people listening. Give us a little history on Bayou's Battles event because I know it started off in the days of Warhammer Fantasy and then transitioned when Texas moved into Kings of War. So if you could give us a sense of a little history of the event.
3: This is actually the 20th year that we're having a value battle. So it's actually, well, let me say it's the 20th anniversary, um, but it's the 19th actual tournament that we're going to run. We lost one year during the pandemic. Um, So I actually played in the very first Bayou Battles back in 2003. And then I kind of joined the the organizing group uh, for the second one. Um, And I ended up actually playing in that one because we needed a ringer. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pay my entry fee and I'll just go ahead and play. Because mostly what I had been doing was just doing all the terrain and and helping out with the the table organization and things like that. Um, And then I played for or basically ran it for – ever since then. So basically I was the man in
1: charge since the third Bayou Battles in 2005. And historically, it's been in the summertime, August timeframe. Is that right? It, it,
3: we've kind of bounced around. Initially it was in, in the August timeframe. That's kind of where we settled after the first uh, couple. Um, and so we've kind of been in that early August timeframe. Um, but uh, a couple years ago when Masters jumped into the summertime, Um, It kind of compressed our schedule a little bit um, because we didn't want to push it too later into the month because then we start butting up against some other tournaments. Um, And so uh, we also didn't want to get it too close to Masters. Uh, So last year we moved to June, um, which was pretty convenient for everybody. It worked out okay, But this year, um, with the venue availability and my own personal schedule, the only weekend we could do it in June was Father's Day weekend. Um, And so that was a a hard go for a lot of people or hard no for a lot of people. Um, You can kind of imagine, hey, it's Father's Day weekend. My gift is I want to get as far away from you as possible. You know, that doesn't go over very well with the family. Uh, So this year we ended up moving into early March. So we're March 3rd, 4th and 5th this year. Is it the first time you guys have ever been in March? I think one other year we were in March. um, and It was one of those things where we were kind of uh, trading off spots in the calendar um, with some of the other tournaments that were going on in Texas back in the day. Um, so we were in early March or in the March timeframe one other time. Um, but just the way it kind of worked out this year with uh, the what was available for the venue and, and for me, uh, this worked out to be the best time. And, and, you know, I asked a lot of people around the South region, around Texas, you know, if, if this was an okay weekend for everybody. Um, and th- it seemed to be the clear winner of what the what our choices were. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit different uh, being in March. It's a much nicer time of year to be in Houston than in early August. I'll say
1: that even in June, it's it's going to be a lot nicer than June. I don't, think anybody, I don't think any city is more humid than Houston, <laughs> especially in August. It's,
3: it's a different kind of humidity down here. We're being so close to the Gulf. So March is actually a very pleasant time of year to come to Houston.
1: I went down to Houston one time, and I swear it was sweltering. I mean, I was literally melting. It was just unbelievably hot and humid. (laughs) So moving to March is probably a good thing for everybody. Yes, it's a a
3: much more pleasant time. Just even loading things in and out of the car is going to be a lot more uh, enjoyable uh, when we get to the venue to start setting up. So uh, I'm looking forward to it in March. It's going to be fun.
1: We had you on last year, and was it last year or the year before you? Before that, was it 2020 or 2021 that you had you rolled out the new soccer format, right? Where you had like the group stages. This is the the third year we're going to be running this World Cup style of play.
3: So, if anybody you know enjoyed watching the uh, the World Cup uh, in November and December, um, we we kind of modeled our tournament after that style of, of of format. So, you have a a group stage followed by a a, a second stage to the to the tournament. So, in the group stage, all of the the players are randomly assigned to a group of four pl- people, and you play kind of a round robin three games against the other three uh, opponents in your group. And if you finish in the top two spots in your group, then you advance to effectively another three game uh, tournament. Uh, so it'll be a sixteen player tournament. We we kind of ca- cap out at about thirty two as our our space for the for the, what the venue can allow. Um, so we have eight groups of four. So the top two advance to the master's bracket and you play a regular three game tournament, uh, from there. Um, and if you finish in the bottom two in each group, you advance to your own bracket we call that the Padawan bracket. Um, so it's kind of nice because we have prizes for the top finishers in both of those brackets. So if you show up and you have a really crappy first three games, you're not completely out of it. There's still going to be, uh, prizes to play for. And you can, you know, you know, curse all the dice gods that you want. And the, if, after your first three games, you know, make a sacrifice before you jump into the, the bracket stage is what we call that second stage.
1: Or if you're unlucky and you have Dustin Howard in your group,
3: <laughs> there is that too. <laughs> um, and then, so it's kind of, you know, we, we try to do it the way that the, they actually do it for the, the world cups so when the world cup, they take the top eight teams that qualified and they randomly then put each of them into a different group. So you're not going to end up with all of the best players in one group knocking people out. So we kind of do the same thing. We look at, you know, all the people who have signed up for the tournament and the top people we place, you know, into one pot, randomly pick uh, names out and assign them to a different group. And then the, we do the same thing for everybody who's left over. And for there, we try to group it up mostly by armies. So for example, you're not, you know, so if we have like three people who bring elf armies, we're going to put them in the same pot so they end up in different groups. So that way you're not going to constantly be playing against the the army that you brought, at least for the the, the first uh, set of three games.
1: That's Um, awesome. That's awesome.
3: yeah. Yeah. And so we also try to make it so that, you don't end up playing with somebody in your same group. So if you play against the same person, you know, every weekend, you know, we're not going to try to put you guys in the same group. We can you know, slide people around a little bit to make sure that the groups are, are, are pretty well uh, set up that you're not going to have a lot of, you know, army matchups or club matchups.
1: Well, I know that Randy Davis speaks very highly of the tournament. He's a big soccer fan and I know he loves it a lot. And so what, what's been the reception of the format over the last couple of years? We've had very, very positive feedback uh, from the tournament. Um,
3: People have said that they really enjoy that group stage because there's not a lot of stress, you know, like, okay, I played my first game and I'm coming back from lunch and I need to, you know, go find who I'm playing the next round. You know, you know who the other people are, you're going to be playing in the group. Not only that, you'll know the order that you're going to be playing them and what table you're going to be on. We're going to post all of that right at the beginning. So you walk in there, you're going to know what table you're playing, your first, second, and third games on. You know who you're going to be playing. So there's not a lot of rush and kind of craziness going on there. And the other nice thing is, you know, since we've had kind of a smaller turnout, like last year we had 24, and I'm hoping we can get up to to 28 or 32 this year. um, Because it's kind of a smaller room, it's a lot more relaxed. And it's kind of nice because we also set it up such that, If you're in the same group, those four players are going to be playing on two adjacent tables. So you can kind of, you know, you're kind of a little bit of camaraderie going around uh, within the the people in your group. You can kind of follow them throughout the first three stages, uh, first three games. And so it's a lot of fun being able to kind of, you know, move around with the same group of people, see how everybody's doing. Uh, You know, there's always a little bit of looking over, okay, who's winning that game over there? Because you're always kind of trying to see like, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that I? score enough victory points for if I need a tiebreaker, for example, to advance out of the into the top two and, and get into the, that master's bracket. Uh, so we've had a lot of good feedback, um, even though we are kind of a a different setup with the, the tournament. Uh, those first three games, they're strictly win-loss draw. So it's not like a big 0-20 system where you have to do a lot of calculations to figure out who won. Uh, it's strictly win-loss draw. And then the margin of victory basically is the tiebreaker. Um, So if if you're playing, for example, um, a loot scenario and you've got seven tokens out there, it's very easy. I got four, my opponent got two, that's the final score, four to two. And so it's just easy to, for me as a PO, it's very easy to kind of keep track of everybody's scores. And it's very easy for the players to keep track of how they're doing. They don't have to spend a lot of time at the end of the game trying to figure things out. Once you get into the bracket stage, then it, drops back to that normal uh, 020 system.
1: And what software are you going to use, Rick? Are, are you, I mean, because obviously a lot of the online versions of the software, I don't like TabletopTO is no longer around. Are you just, do you, do you just use spreadsheets or do you have a, a different software package you use?
3: I've got an old bootleg copy of WarScore that I've kind of (laughs) carried around from one laptop to the next over the years. And so I'm still using that and it still works well for doing all the matchups and things like that. I do end up exporting out of there to make sure I get all of the soft scores added in correctly. And it's it's easier for me to do the, the tabulations and award determinations at the end, doing it that way. So, so that's what I end up using. Um, you know, I, I heard, uh, you know, some things about the, the that tabletop uh, system, um, but I haven't had a chance to kind of do any searching for other software that's out there. But, but that's what I use, and it seems to work pretty well. It's definitely good for doing getting all the matchups kind of set up. Um, it's very easy to
1: to work things through that way. We use the, the new Mantic Companion tournament software this weekend for a one day. And if you are just doing win-lose-draw, you probably could use that software because it does it does the very basic stuff very well. And who knows, maybe by the time March rolls around, Elliot will have it even uh, more dialed in. Definitely look into it as we get closer. But what I also do is I
3: throw up on the wall. So behind the scorers table, I have um, some laminated uh, poster board of all of the groups, the players names. And I'm I'm, as the games are finishing up, I'm constantly changing the scoring um, so everybody can see what's going on in each group. So, and it's very easy because it's three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss. So uh, the, if you win, you get three points. And it's very easy to kind of keep track of the scores and everything that way. And it's kind of fun because people will kind of look up as they see me changing something on the boards. Uh oh, you know, Dustin Howard won again. Okay. So, you know, you, you know how things are going to go because a lot of, because not even do you know who you're playing in your the first three games, where you finish in the. The group stage determines who you play in the second stage. So, for example, if you finish first in group A, you might be matched up with the second place player in group B. So if you're in group A, you're constantly looking at group B as, okay, who might I be matched up with in the next round? So having that big board kind of set up, a, you know, right behind the scorer table so everybody can see how everybody's doing. They don't have to kind of, you know, peek over behind the scorers table to, to see what uh, I have on my laptop or, uh, you know, hope for me to post something up. Everything's right there on the board behind me.
1: It's like the All-Valley Karate Tournament, you know? You get that (laughs) big board, right? Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Why don't you go over the particulars, you know, like how many points is it? etc all the little uh any composition anything that's special for your event we are a 1995 point event um mostly
3: because we're playing six games over the weekend because you have three games in the group stage and then three games in the bracket stage we play four games on saturday and then two on sunday so especially on saturday um you know with all the games going on we want to make sure uh we kind of end at a reasonable time so uh with the, the shorter time slots, uh, time for each uh, game, you know, we went to a 1995, um, but we do have a couple of army composition tweaks that we use to kind of help people out. So first off, um, we do have the option for players to bring a sideboard. So you can bring a 490 490- point, 495 point sideboard that you can swap out in your army. So effectively you have a 1500 point main force, and then you have, you can have sideboard A and sideboard B and just kind of slide which one in you, you want to use for uh, not only the opponent you might be playing against, but also for the scenario. So if you know that you're playing invade and you're going to want something that may be a little bit faster, you might want to slide in something, uh, some cav or some flying units uh, into your list, or if you know you're going to be playing Dominate, you're going to need something that's going to grind a little better. Maybe you're going to want to put a big D6 monster or something in your list. You have that option to kind of slide things in. Uh, so, you know, we, we know people kind of like playing in that, you know, 2300 point uh, kind of that's kind of the, the point total that everybody likes playing. So you can bring, you know, all of that. You just can't use it all on the table at the same time.
1: That's awesome. It lets people adjust their army on the fly, which is great. Yes. And and the fun part about
3: this is, is we do the live draw. So we'll have a, you know, go live on Facebook with her and we'll do the live draw. So you'll see which group you're ending up in. And so once we, before we do the live draw, um, all the players are locked in with what army they're going to bring. But army lists are not due until after the live draw. So you'll not, not only know who you're going to be playing, but what army they're going to be playing. So that way you can then kind of do a little bit of list planning to help you. So, uh, you, you won't know the scenarios, but you'll at least know the armies you'll be going up against. So you can kind of plan your uh, list building accordingly for that. Uh, so, so that's kind of a, a neat little feature for, the, for our event is you, you have a little bit more pre-tournament strategizing that you can do.
1: Well, it's almost like uh, it's leaning into the soccer thing too, though, right? Because if you have a soccer team, you've got different subs you can bring in. Sort of the same thing with the sidebar; you've got some additional players that can come on the field. Exactly, because you never know what kind of play style
3: you might go up against. You know, okay, I'm playing against you know Dustin Howard. I know he loves the big monsters. You know, so I'm going to kind of build a you know a a sideboard list that's going to help me with that. So there's there's a lot of that fun kind of strategizing that can happen ahead of time. But the other nice thing about our tournament is you know, in addition to those sideboards, everybody gets to choose their own special soccer themed character that they can add to their list. Um, So we have expanded the list from last year. Last year, we had eight different uh, soccer stars that you could choose from. um, And this year, we're expanding that out to 12. And so all of these characters are basically named after soccer stars from today. Quite a large number of them played in the World Cup this past year. Um, And so all of them are individuals um, that have some sort of ranged attack, whether it's a a regular shooting attack or a spell, and some other fun abilities that can then kind of add to your list. So, okay, you know, I'm going to have. So it's kind of nice because you can also plan for that. It's like, okay, I'm going to have a free. you know, inspiring character so I can build my list around that. Maybe I don't need to take that that extra one that frees up, you know, 80 to 120 points potentially in your list, depending on, on what you want to bring. And, and so these these characters are are, are quite fun um, because there's, there's quite a variety that you could choose from. So, um, for example, you know, and so we actually tweaked some of the ones that we had last year because there were like three or four that were really popular that folks brought last year. Um, one of the most popular ones, uh, was Jan Oblak, which I'm sure probably none of you have heard of, uh, but he is effectively a, uh, goalkeeper, um, from Slovakia and he's one of the, the best goalkeepers in the world, but he basically came with Veil of Shadows and Banechant. So obviously as a keeper, you want to shut down your opponent's shooting. That's kind of the, the goalkeeper theme. Um, so you, so you have an inspiring individual with Veil of Shadows already in your list. Um, One of the other uh, popular ones was Christian Pulisic. Um, Many people should recognize that one for the place for the U S he's a a rallying character. So he provides rallying one. uh, So you can kind of plan around that. Um, The other one who was pretty popular um, was Robert Lewandowski. Um, He plays for uh, Poland um, and he effectively has, um, let me look him up here just to make sure I get this right. He has uh, uh, four attacks on three, uh, piercing one, 18-inch uh, shooting attack. Uh, so, so you can kind of, like, you know, choose the player that kind of best fits uh, your list. So if you come with a, a naturally kind of a, a shooty-heavy list, maybe you want to add that extra guy in there and get a couple extra attacks that way. Uh, we've added a couple of real fun characters in here, too. Uh, so two of my favorite ones that are kind of fun to, to play with. Uh, the first one is... Uh, Neymar, so Neymar Jr., he basically uh, uh, plays for uh, Brazil. Um, So one of the things that he is most well known for is he tends to flop a lot and, you know, kind of, you know, rolls around acting like somebody just amputated his foot at the ankle. Um, So his special ability is that once per game, he can effectively flop on the ground. And so what that does in a real game is it just delays restarting and allows the people around him to take their breath, you know, while he's lying on the ground. So it's a way for them to kind of catch up and rest. So when he does that, he can do this once per game. Um, All friendly units within six inches of them heal back D3 wounds. Uh, But, you know, kind of the, the consequence of that is he cannot make any shooting attack that turn. And um, sometimes when he does this, um, he can actually get a yellow card caution uh, for simulation, for basically intentionally acting. Uh, and, and if it's too obvious, he he occasionally gets those. So you roll a dice, and on a dice roll of one, his nerve actually gets lower to indicate that he's that much closer to being kicked out of the game. Because in soccer, you get two yellow cards, you're kicked out of the game. Um, so So he's kind of a fun character in there. He's kind of a one-time you know, kind of little bubble heel uh, for your players. That's awesome. He, he's fun. Uh, the, the other character that, that I like is one we're just adding in this year, and this is uh, Luis Suarez. So he plays for Uruguay. Um, and, so I, uh, and so he's really known for two things on the soccer pitch. One is he is famous for biting another player on the shoulder in the middle of a game. Um, and then the other one is in the 2010 World Cup, he intentionally and illegally used his hands to deny a goal when uh, Uruguay was playing against Ghana. And so he earned him a red card for he was basically standing on the goal line and batted it with his hands. You know, he's not the so He's not allowed to use it. So he was given a red card for intentionally doing that to prevent a goal. And so what ended up happening is that Ghana then missed the penalty kick, which kept the score tight at 1-1. And then Uruguay eventually ended up winning and advancing in the tournament. So for his special role, he's vicious because of the bite. And he has a special role called sacrifice, which once per game in the range range phase, he can inflict an automatic D6 wounds on a single target within six inches. But he is then immediately removed from the game. And there's no nerve check uh, required for that uh, for that use. So it's kind of, you know, we, we try to create these characters and kind of theme them for what they're uh, most well-known for in the game. That sounds really
1: awesome. Uh, who's your favorite of all those characters?
3: Out of all those characters... Um, you know, we've been playing tasting them, uh, the last week or so. Um, the ones that, that people, uh, really like is, uh, Kareem Benzema. He's a, a player for France. Um, he has lightning bolt four, um, but he also has a uh, special fancy footwork, which basically means he can move on the double and still make his, uh, lightning bolt attack. Uh, so, so he's he's kind of a, a cool character there. Um, I do like um, the two goalkeepers that we have. So we have Jan Oblak uh, with his uh, Veil of Shadows and Banechant, and then we also added Manuel Neuer, who is the goalkeeper for Germany. Um, he has uh, he also comes with Veil of Shadows, but instead he has Scorched Earth as his secondary spell. Um, so you know there's there's all sorts of ways that you can kind of you know look through the list and kind of pick the one character that kind of fits your army the best. So it, it really makes for a lot of fun in that list building stage.
1: And how many total different characters did you say there were? Twelve to choose from, yes. How did you avoid not having the uh, dojo guys break them? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, I've, I've been uh, working a lot with uh, Dustin Howard to, to kind of go over these. And, and he's, you know, when I first kind of showed him the list to get his feedback, he basically said, I think you did the right job of keeping them from being too crazy. Too, uh, you know, too over the top, and and so you know, especially after last year when we saw that there were really only like three or maybe four that were chosen, and some that nobody what, you know, nobody ended up bringing, um, we kind of tweaked a couple to kind of bring them all in line a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, I've been talking to those guys and getting some feedback, but yeah, nobody seemed to think that any one character was broken in there. And if you kind of point them out, you know, they're they would all probably be somewhere around that hundred point level. So, you know, even though it's 1995, you're effectively playing almost a 2100 point army. You just have the 1995 list building uh, rules associated with it. How many did you have last year? So last year we had 24. And and so this year we're, we're sitting right now at about 15 or 16 who have officially signed up. Um, although like Randy Davis, he hasn't signed up yet. So, you know, I know he's coming. Oh, well, this is <laughs> uh, this is our
1: opportunity to... Uh, Randy, you told us what a great event it was. You love the soccer theme. Why haven't you signed up? Yeah, yeah sign up, dude. Come on. Come on, man. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs>
3: And so, you know, I've I've talked to several other people who said that they're planning on coming. Um, So, yeah, I'm hoping we're going to get somewhere in that, you know, 24 to 28 range. Um, The only kind of weird part about our tournament, though, is because we break out into groups of four, we have to make sure we have, you know, at least four in every group. So if we end up with like 30, you know, we might have to, you know, ask a couple of people to sit out. Or if you're just late signing up, those last two to sign up might not get in um, unless we get an extra two. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, I got, you know, one of my kids who said he can be a ringer and fill in, uh, kind of round out the groups if we needed an extra player. So, uh, you know, that's the, the the big thing is we just got to make sure we get those, you know, groups of four signing up so we get everybody uh, equally kind of paired up.
1: That's awesome. Where can folks go to register
3: for the event? So all of the information is on our website, which is BayouBattles.com. Um and it has all the information on there. You can reach out to me directly. Um uh, the, the email that you would send to, to register is at bayubattlesgt at gmail.com. Um if you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly that way. Um we'll have all of the soccer characters posted up on our website soon. We have last just last year's uh characters out there now. Uh I'm putting the font- final spit and touches on the, the adjustments for this year. And those guys will be up on the website soon as well.
1: Rick, what, what else do you want to tell people about the, the great event, Bayou Battles? The uh, oldest and longest running event in Texas, right? Almost. We are the second oldest.
3: Uh, Lone Wolf actually started before us. Um, they were about a year or maybe even a two years ahead of us. Um, although I think they just finished finished their 19th this year. So I think they're still a year ahead of us. They lost a year as well during the pandemic. And I think they missed another year when they were having some venue issues uh, back in the, the Warhammer fantasy days, but we are one of the longest running, um, Unfortunately, we we had the record for the longest consecutively running up until the, the pandemic hit. But, uh, yeah, still, you know, 19, 19th tournament this year, uh, 20 years doing this. You know, sometimes I question my sanity going at it this long, but uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun event. What other events are you doing this year? So I'm going to be doing uh, Lone Wolf for sure. That's going to be in April in, in Dallas. Um, I'm seriously considering running up to uh, Best of the Rest uh, next year. Along with some of the uh, master players down here in Houston, we're thinking about just you know tossing everything in a van and making a big road trip out of it. Um, I will definitely do uh, Dojo and Alamo in the the, the Dojo Tournament Samurai Showdown in Dallas, and then the Alamo Tournament uh, in San Antonio. Both of those are in the fall, like September, uh, early November, I think. For those two, um, I'm the only player who has been to every single Alamo GT in San Antonio. And they're also going to be, I think, in their nineteenth 19th, nineteenth uh, 19th year this year. So, I'm, you know, that's one that I never miss. That one is so much fun. But, but, that's kind of that's kind of my schedule this year. In fact, I'm I've got a whole bunch of goblins that I'm uh, sitting on my painting table. I'm trying to get ready for uh, Lone Wolf coming up this year.
1: I understand the the pressure. I'm uh, painting a twenty three hundred point Salamander Army for adepticon and i started just a few weeks ago so uh, and then i have a firefight army to play to pain as well so yeah it's a good you know it, inevitably it's a good problem to have though because that pressure of knowing that i need to have this done or i'm going to be publicly humiliated because i don't have the army ready you know it's a good motivating factor
3: yeah and fortunately you know i you know i have some some goblins that i've had from a uh, green skin days you know way back in uh, warhammer fantasy and you know, i had an old uh works in goblins list. So I'm kind of expanding on that army. Um, But this one's going to be a lot different for me. It's a, it's a cab heavy. It's, you know, very fast and nimble, and it's much different than the grindy empire of dust list that I ran all of last year. So I'm still trying to get that uh, switch flipped in my brain as to how to run this thing.
1: Learning a new army is always a challenge, especially if it's a new army. That's very different than the way your old army played. You know, you have to like, I have to rewire my brain, I guess. (laughs)
3: Exactly. And and it doesn't help that I've been playing a lot of games against Dustin Howard. And so he doesn't pull any punches. So I've been getting my teeth kicked in on a regular basis trying to figure this thing out.
1: Better place to learn than the Struggle Shack.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, awesome, Rick. I appreciate you coming on and telling us all about Bayou Battles. Is there anything, anything we, uh, any other message you want to deliver? Uh, The one thing that I want to say, if uh, anybody is thinking on coming
3: in uh, from far outreaches. Um, we are right near the Bush Intercontinental Airport. We're at the, the Sheraton North Houston on the north side of, of uh, Houston, obviously. Um, but the uh, the hotel has a free shuttle from the airport. Where we're like, you know, two miles south of the airport. So uh, if anybody's thinking about coming in, it's very convenient. Um, we're happy to, to, to help you out with any sort of arrangements. Um, just make sure you fly into the Bush Intercontinental Airport and not Hobby Airport. So that's where Southwest does, you know, 90% of Southwest flies into Hobby Airport. That's on the south side of Houston. And you're going to have a long uh, way to get up to the venue from there.
1: Houston is ginormous. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I can't even imagine a rush hour if you have to drive through Houston. I think you would be... Uh, it's a very big city.
3: You know, I consider myself in the greater Houston area and it will still take me about a uh, 55 minutes to an hour to drive up to the airport from my place.
1: Well, Rick, I appreciate you coming on and telling us all about, all about Bayou Battles and uh, Hey, where can people reach you? If they ask specific questions, how's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Best way is at the, the same email uh, for the, the, the tournament. So it's Bayou
3: Battles GT at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way to get, to me and i usually reply you know as soon as i get something awesome well rick i appreciate you coming on Uh, thanks for having me it's always fun to talk to you rob
1: and we are back any final shout outs rob really jealous i'm seeing pictures uh of people playing at kings of winter this weekend i am completely bummed that i didn't make it this year but they you know they moved it from december to january and it's a couple weeks ahead of king of monsters and you know honestly this is the year where i'm not going to get to as many events i'm going to AdeptCon. that's a huge time commitment and, and, money. To, and money and money that's, that's not cheap and that's not cheap and then i'm going to we're, we're going to the, the masters in omaha so you know that's going to be another multi-day thing you know those two big events are going to take up the bulk of my time I am going to run the King of Memphis, Kings of Memphis three. So that's coming as well. So I'll do what I can locally. You know, I'll probably go to TNT this year, but there's just some really great events. I don't think I'm going to travel as
2: much too, just like budget wise. Now that I'm staying in this place by myself, my budget has changed, but I'm thinking masters and Adepticon, and then maybe lone wolf, just because I see family when I go out there, you know, and I can stay with Jeff, swan at jeff's house or something so that i think are going to be my only real three travel events like long term you know like out of state events but we have riddle steel coming up which is going to be super fun rashad is on his way back from germany so we're pretty much sold out at i think 24 spots uh so that's going to be super fun that's coming up uh, and then like, I need to do well in that and Adepticon or I may be just, I may be at masters just report recording podcasts because, uh, I may not, we we'll, we're going to see, I still got to qualify, but super excited. Uh, Real Steel is an amazing event. It's going to be super fun as it is every year. It keeps getting better and better and better. So yeah, I'm hoping this year is going to be a good year, you know, a year for new opportunities for healing, for growth uh, of the hobby. Adepticon I think is going to be off the hook this year. So
1: lots, lots to look forward to. And we will be having Pat on, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, to talk about Mantic Night on the next Road to Adepticon episode. And if you are not on the list yet, please get on the wait list. Do it. That's going to help us get more spots. Because ultimately, you know, I, th- I Straw Poll, I think we can hit 70 uh, if everybody, you know, if we get the spots.
2: I would love to see it return to the like what we did that one year mid sixties. We mm-hmm. Yeah, when Shannon did it, which we were in the the low sixties. So I think if we could get close to that again, that would be really great. And with that, remember always
0: counter charge. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. and is licensed under Creative Commons.